Let's go live with Jack Kelly. Welcome to the one-of-a-kind LinkedIn live show that will help you with your job search and advancing your career. We will bring in educated career experts who will share their insights and give you inside tips on how to be successful in your job search. Now let's get into today's show with your host, Jack Kelly. All right, wait. Shows like we're on that. That's too easy. Wait a minute. Usually there's a lag. <laughs> Is that always say? Like I say, okay, yep, we're on. Excellent. We're on. We are live with Ed Hahn. Let's hey, go Jack. live with Jack Kelly and our special, amazing, awesome, terrific guest, Ed Hahn. Welcome. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me, Jack. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. So, you know, maybe you could just introduce everybody to you know who you are. Sure. I think everybody on LinkedIn knows who you are already, but that's okay. <laughs> so you can reintroduce yourself. Absolutely. So, hey, everybody. Thanks for thanks for uh, checking us out. Uh, my name is Ed Han. I have been a recruiter for the last eight years and change. Uh, I have also been known in the local job search groups in my area, uh, in in central New Jersey, uh, where I have done pre where I have presented at a number of groups. Uh, Breakfast Club, for example, is one place where is where actually Jack and I first met a couple of years, some years back. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. Well, thanks, Ed. And I got to tell you, uh, LinkedIn, where I think compared to other platforms, it's, it's generally you know generally uh, a nicer tone, a more polite tone. But yep. you got to be the nicest guy. <laughs> now, all right, tell it just between us. Are you really a nice guy, or is that just shtick? <laughs> You're coming across as a nice guy. Come on, what's the deal? We won't tell anyone else. Any, whoever's listening will know, but no one else will know. Sure. What's the well, real you know, deal? it's funny, right? I mean, one of the great things about social media is that you respond when you want to. So, you know, sure, I, I have interactions with people that don't go in the way that I might like, you know, <clears throat> but the thing I can always remember, right, is that at the end of the day, when I choose to respond shapes how I respond, right? So uh, on some level, yeah, sure. Um, I, I have the opportunity to be more thoughtful about the way I respond to something. Uh, so maybe that has the effect of making me seem lesser than I am. I don't know. Um, but the truth is I try very hard to live my life according to a very simple principle. Is what I'm doing increasing the amount of good in the world yes great i'm doing the i'm doing things the way i want to be no then i really need to rethink what it is i'm doing rethink what it is i think i want to say you know um so maybe i seem nicer than i really am i don't know well it's interesting oftentimes i think with social media it pushes you to react mm -hmm. and doesn't help matters when people, I think, purposely try to kind of stir the pot mm -hmm. and get your adrenaline going. And um, I, I appreciate what you say, because I try to do that. Oftentimes I'm unsuccessful at it. Is that, you know, you have this gap where someone says something or does something and how you're going to react to it mm -hmm. and how you process it. And it is a battle to be able to step back and not fall for it and not get sucked into something. Sure. Sure. And 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 then to you know what I mean, and then to to position yourself where you could kind of respond in a nice way. And I think that's good advice that for people who might have a knee jerk reaction 
to follow your lead and say, hey, you know what? Let, let, I don't have to respond right away. I don't have to do something. I could kind of wait, think it through, calm mm -hmm. down, and then kind of give an answer or, or say what I want to say in a measured way, which doesn't cause, uh, you know, an argument. Right. And, you know, when you come right down to it, right, my presence on LinkedIn is, I, I, I am trying to come from a place of being helpful, right? Yeah. Um, and, and is my response helpful? You know, uh, I mean, the fact is, you, you, when you try to, to help people, you know, sometimes what you say isn't right. Sometimes that happens, right? No one bats a thousand, you know? So what do you do? You, you own it. You say, you know what? That was not, that was not ideal. And this is what I should, this is a better response, right? Um, again, trying to live in alignment with that principle. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. I, I, years ago, I used to work for a very large uh, investment bank. And when we were all on board, because uh, I was on board with a bunch of other folks, at that time, um, uh, I will never forget what the HR rep said. You work for a very large bank that is that has a global footprint and has a global has global name recognition. Uh, if you are out and about, uh, just remember that the things that you do or say um, have the run the risk of appearing on the front page of the New York Times. It makes sure if you're going to do that, this is a way that reflects well on the organization. You know, um, and that has stayed with me for ever, ever since then. Yeah, that really, I try to let that form the way I try to interact with people, you know. Um, yeah, there's, there's, you can get engagement, you can get reaction, people reacting uh, by saying things in a, in, in a uh, provocatory manner, right. right? And yeah, sure, that, that's, that can be helpful in that sometimes these conversations need to take place. But generally speaking, a lot of times, I, I think those interactions can go south, can attract uh, a response that you don't want, you know? Um, and how is that helpful then? Yeah, it, fast forward today from when you were at the investment bank, you have to even be more cautious now sure. because not only the reputation of the company, but you could run the risk of saying something that could just get you booted off a platform, get you fired. It's, it's, it's kind of a different world now where you have to be really careful on what you say, how you say it. Um, it has pros and cons to it. You know, in some ways it's good because you don't want say, people saying really horrible stuff, obviously. Of course. But then you don't want people to censor themselves because then you really don't know what they're thinking or doing. I sometimes I'd rather hear what someone's really, <laughs> who really believes so I know where right. they said as right. opposed to like, hmm, <laughs> you know, what's, what's this person really thinking? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that, that is part of the, the challenge, right? With, yeah. with social media and, and the perennial push for, for immediacy. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the desire to respond immediately is understandable. I mean, it's what we do. I mean, we've spent our entire lives you know, in terms of our communication and how, how we un, uh, under, interact with people uh, with this desire to respond immediately. But immediacy is not always the, 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 the most important thing to respond to, the most important driver. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I've come to the point Ed, where I do this, particularly with with when I write for Forbes. Right. You can get no matter what topic, you, and I don't write about politics. I write more about the intersection of careers and what's happening in the business world. Yep. But invariably, people politicize or take what you know stands wherever. Um, I don't even engage anymore. So, right. like, if someone could say horrible, especially like on Twitter, you know, right. like, like really horrible, you know, just killing me. I just, I'm like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be goaded. I'm not going to get involved. And in part also because of what you mentioned, because I didn't have that conversation with an HR person, but I just assume that's as I'm representing the brand as writing the piece, right. I don't want to be the guy saying, F you, ah, you know, like that's not cool. That's because I wouldn't yeah. want someone on my company doing that to someone else. Exactly. So, so I figured, you know what? Uh, I'll just take it. I'll take it. And yep. what, you know, it's just not worth. It's just not worth arguing and fighting because it hurts my brand. No matter what, like you get in the mud, you're gonna get dirty. It just exactly. walk. I, I walk away. That's it. I, I just I, at first I would see the little bit. Now it's just I, I laugh and like whatever, you know. Right. Some stranger has no idea who I am, what I'm about. And instead of really just maybe politely asking, hey, you know what? I don't get this. Right. They would ask me like, hey, can you, you know, just give me some color on it? I'd be glad. Oh, okay. Here's what it is. And I'd be happy. Right. But if they're just like, you're such an idiot. You're a moron. <laughs> you're whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, all right. I'm not, why am I going to engage? There's nothing to win by it. Exactly. I mean, what, what, where's the ROI on this? Yeah, right? no, nothing. It's just only loss. Exactly. But you do the opposite every day. You have, how do you come up with this? Every day you have a tip of the day. Like, <laughs> do, you, do you plan it like way in advance or, or every day you got to stress out like, oh my God, I got to come up with a tip. I'm, I'm running dry. How does it work? So, you know, it, it's a funny question, Jack. Yeah. Uh, I, I've been doing this now for what, around a decade or so. Something like really? That, that long? Wow. That long. And the funny thing, the, here's a really funny thing, yeah. right? Like my tip for the day is something I started doing uh, when when obviously the LinkedIn platform uh, was was a, a less mature than it is now, yeah. right? And and was less feature rich than it is now. You may recall back in the day, Jack, that that when uh, when a LinkedIn member posted a status update, uh, it could only be a hundred hundred forty no hundred twenty characters. That's what it was. Um, and that was very deliberate, right? Because in that, at that time, there was a push you know, by LinkedIn to integrate LinkedIn members' Twitter feeds I don't into know. the platform. Is that, is that? That's why it's that length. Huh, okay. That's what, that's what dates back to. So two okay. years ago, when LinkedIn expanded the size of the status update to 220 characters, no, when Twitter expanded to, to 220 characters, right? Um, and LinkedIn had already expanded the status update to like 500 or something like that. Um, you know, it, it gives me a lot more room, of course. Yeah. You know, to to expound on these things, um, but you know, I, I've largely stayed within the the Twitter def defined um, uh, space constraints, which of course is funny now, right? Um, because you know, I, I post these things on on Twitter as well. I, I, in fact, that's where I started doing it. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, I, I, I just do both of them at the same time. You know, um, in terms of coming up with stuff, you know, it's driven quite honestly by the conversations I have with, 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 other, 
with other people, whether they be other recruiters, you know, whether internal or external, uh, with other LinkedIn members. Um, I, I've, I participate in a couple of conversations with power users uh, of LinkedIn, right? Um, or just, you know, day to day, my own observations about what people do on the platform. I mean, there have been a number of times where someone does something, I'm like, okay, yeah, this is this is this is a teachable moment here, <laughs> you know. Um, and so that drives a lot of stuff. Like today's, for example, something about um, um, there is there are there are precious few instances in which uh, an an, invita an accepted invitation to connect uh, is an invitation to to pitch me, <laughs> right? Right. And, and, you know, Jack, you know, you, you, you run a business. So people are pitching you all day long, every day. And I pitch people too. So I, I can't complain but, too much. I'd be a but you know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Someone who's never scoped out, you know, who you are, what you're about, what you do. And they come at you with this proposition and it's completely unrelated. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Like, why, why is this happening? Right. Ed, so I understand you want to buy stuff in Ukraine and... <laughs> <laughs> right it's like wait what i i mean nothing it's just so off the mark right it's exactly and you wonder why are they doing this stuff like they can't be successful i, I don't understand or, or right. are they or it's a numbers I, game i don't i don't know I, well you know I, I the way i the way it seems to me often jack uh is it, i think the analogy is is spammers right i mean they yeah. don't they do it because there's that what two percent or whoever I don't know. Like, give you an example. Like the phones, you probably get this too about sure. the warranties, right? What, like the warranties, credit card, mortgage, all the time. And like, who is responding to a robot talking about your warranty? I, right. I, I don't get it. Like, even if you do a million of them, do you? I can't even think one person say, "Oh my God, my warranty." Sure, let's talk. Or but, is it? Maybe I don't know. But the ROI clearly has to be there. Otherwise, this would not have proliferated in the way that it has and continues to, Yeah, you know? So you speak to a lot of recruiters and you're, you're a recruiter yourself. Yeah. What do you, you know, one thing I'd like to explore with you is this. There's kind of, I think, a misconception about recruiters, both external recruiters and in-house recruiters. Sure. And you've been both, right? You've been on both sides. Can you maybe kind of walk a little bit about what, what to expect? So if you're listening and watching us now, or you're going to watch us when we, you know, re, re put it up on social media again. Um, oftentimes I hear that people get really frustrated sure. because they really don't know the relationship. They have certain expectations. So maybe you can kind of yep. walk through people like, Absolutely. hey, this is really the insight, you know, the insight story. So Ed right now is an internal HR, you know, recruiter working at a company. I'm an external recruiter. Um, so we have, you know, kind of that fingers on the pulse, but I think if you could kind of walk them through like how it is in your life, what you look for, what's sure. good, what's not good, the do's, the don'ts, all that kind of good stuff. Absolutely. Happy to do that, Jack. And yeah, this is this is definitely a source of confusion and, yeah. and frustration a lot, you know? Um, so yeah, as you say, I've done both internal and external recruiting. Uh, I started out doing internally. I, uh, I wound up doing external for a couple of years, came back to internal. Um, and uh, I'll be honest, I, I do feel happier doing this, you know. Um, but I, I think that the I think that where folks get get into trouble in interacting with recruiters is understanding who it is that we're trying to make happy, right? Um, so 
so when you work external, who are you trying to make happy? You're trying to make the hiring manager, the client happy. Mm-hmm. You know, the client says, I want X uh, with these doodads and gizmos, so to speak. Um, and you say, okay, great. I'm going to go try to find X with doodads and gizmos, just like you told me. In fact, I'm, I want to exceed that doodads and gizmos because I know that if you told me you want this, I'm go- I want to over-deliver. Right. Right. Um, and, you know, if, if your sense is doodads and gizmos, like are being described, aren't there or aren't in budget that the client has communicated to you, 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 you push back and say, hey, listen, I, I don't know that what you want is necessarily there, at least not, not, the, not within the budget you're talking about. We need to rethink this, right? Because you want to be delivering what the client is asking, but you also want them to be educated. You know, you don't want a PMP certified PM who who you can who's only getting paid like fifty bucks an hour. Mm-hmm. That, that that's not a thing that makes sense. If if you can find that person, what have you found, really? Right? I mean, uh, by contrast, you know, if the if the client says, "Oh, you know what? My I've got, I can we can, I can give you a." pay rate uh, for this person of like 120 130 140 <laughs> you're like okay great what other things do you want for this person right and that becomes really fun um because then you get to educate the client about hey listen your your budget will buy you much more talent than you than you seem to think i mean i know this is rare <laughs> but but it's a great opportunity when you get it right uh, and similarly, on, on the internal side, it, it, there's a lot of education as well. Hey, the budget is X. You say you want that, this other thing. One of these things is not like the other here, hiring manager. We, we, we need to talk about this, right? And again, it's about being a trusted advisor. It's about making sure that the hiring manager is the person that's going to be happy with the end result. Now, of course, in either case, we also want the talent to be happy, right? Because if they're not happy, I mean, sure, maybe they'll start the role, but mm-hmm. after a while, if this is not a match, it, it turns into a backfill. So no one's happy then. The talent's not happy, we're not happy, the hiring manager isn't happy. Um, and then we have to go back and try to find someone else to, to do it. And then that maybe that's also an opportunity for us to go back to the hiring manager and say, hey, listen, you know, the expectations and, and what I can find for you are, are not in, are not necessarily 100% aligned. And I think we just saw an evidence of this. So, you know, I, I think we need to recalibrate. Let's do that. Let's have a conversation about how, how we do that. But it's critical to understand that the recruiter in either instance is more like a broker to my way of thinking. You know, we, we try to find the right talent. We try to make sure that the that the hiring manager has a reasonable expectation before we present people, you know? So in that way, we're, we're, it's matchmaking, right? Now, I don't want to put you on the spot with your company specifically, sure. but just generally in your, you know, eight plus years of experience, do you find if you go to the market and the hiring manager gave you a list of criteria and then you realize, the comp it's, it's just not happening and you get right. that feedback do people generally accept it or they push back on you and say well too bad this is our budget this is what we have to do you know it's kind of case specific yeah to be honest you know um 
so for example, um, there's a wreck I was working on last year where the comp was off by a, by a meaningful amount, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so, and the, I had to listen to what the marketplace was telling me, you know? And I have finally had to go back to the, to the manager and say, listen, marketplace is telling me that we're off by a substantial amount. And I think we really need to talk. Uh, we, I think that you and I need to talk and I think I need to talk with the folks over at comp the compensation part arm of HR and, and recalibrate what we're doing, yeah. you know, um, in, in terms of what our expectations are, in terms of what we think is reasonable to pay folks. You know, I mean, in, in an enterprise, you, you benchmark that stuff, right? So you, if, you, if, you, if the marketplace tells you differently, you need to go back and you have a bit of a process involved. So, so to unpack it, and, and, and you've brought up a whole lot of different points altogether, so that it's, it's one part of a recruiter whether you're you know, working at a search firm or you're working in-house is to be a broker, to be a matchmaker. And your responsibility is you got to keep everybody happy. You got to keep the company happy and the, and the job seeker happy because you, you need the two of them to agree to make it work. Yep. And it's a process. And what I think you're saying it is that you know, a lot of times there could be a misalignment in terms of you know, the company feels, oh, we could get these people for this amount of money and this should be easy. And then Ed, you might go out and look and say, and I would go out and look like, no, this is, we can't, this doesn't work. It's too much of a gap that, you know, if you want all these 10 ingredients, you got to pay such and such. Sure. If you don't, you're not going to get it. And there's this back, it's like a dance. It's a back and forth. Yeah. yeah. And these are, these are some of the things too, where I think it leads part of the whole thing which leads to frustration from candidates because I, I wonder if you go through this that you may share something with a candidate right you, let's say you're calling me up and say Jack right. yeah great job for you want to hear it and then you tell me the comp and then I'm indignant I'm gonna say well how dare you Ed I'm making you know this and you're giving mm -hmm. half I can't believe it and then I go online and I and I say Ed is a terrible person because he's trying to lowball me and it's not that you're doing it it's just like okay you, you know you were given this to work on Right. And, and, and you know what, you may or may not know what the market is until you start speaking to people. Exactly. Right. Sometimes you have to, like I find out, like I have to speak to five, 10, whatever people to get a feel. What's the real deal? You know, mm -hmm. what's the real marketplace? Cause you know, you speak to, let's say six people. Okay. You can't know for sure. That's what people are earning, but you at least have a decent feel this is this is what they're doing and then you always have to take away like people lying so you then you cut it so whatever they say you, you know i always i always cut it a little bit but it's it's a back and forth so sure. like you are or i wouldn't be coming across as being purposely rude or someone about a comp it's just okay this is what they're giving us to work on right and really not sure what you're earning we're not saying it to you know right global it's just you know we don't know and this is what we find out then we could get that information and bring it back so it's much more complex, I think, than people say. Another thing, too, right. I know, to it is that, tell me if you find this out as well, is that I think oftentimes people look for recruiters to feel, okay, you get me a job. But that's not the case. Like, if they go to you, you're not going to go looking for a job. You have your jobs that are open, right? Exactly. I mean, how do you, do you see that a lot? Where, oh, my gosh, yes. All the time. All, almost every day, Jack. Almost every day. <laughs> What do they just um, like? So, is they call you? They email, text. What do like? What do people do? Oh, you know, they'll they'll call or email or um, or invite me to connect on LinkedIn. 
Right. And you know, hey, that's great. You know, I'm I'm sort of, that's part of why I maintain a presence because I want to hear from folks. Right. right? Um, but uh, someone put up this great great question uh, on on LinkedIn yesterday. I think it was. Yeah, it was, I think it was yesterday. Um, a friend of mine put up a question saying, "Hey, listen, I get how do you people who work in the hiring or the career coaching space respond to these two very different messages, you know, and the, the first question was, hey, um, can take a look at my qualifications, here's my resume, please uh, let me know if there are any opportunities in your organization that where, where I might be a fit, right? And that's a very, very common ask, very, very common uh, phenomenon. Just like you're getting a homework assignment. Essentially. Right? <laughs> They're asking but, you to do their homework for you. Right? But the second, so the compare contrast was, mm -hmm. hey, I am getting my resume professionally written mm -hmm. and I want to make sure, and I'm looking at this specific opportunity from, from your organization and I want to make sure that I'm fine tuning it. That's and, good. I like that. Right? That's, that's right. better. I like, that's a good move. I have, you know what? I haven't heard someone say it, but I like that. That's, that's, right. that's a good approach. Exactly. Now, and so the, the analogy that I have for this, right, is, you know how, like, when you go out, well, okay, granted, not in 2020, uh, but, like, in prior years, right, you go out to the store, right, whether that's, your, your, you know, your, your Wegmans, your, your, uh, your Whole Foods, wherever you sh you're shopping, you run to an old friend you haven't seen in years, hey, it's great to see you again, hey, we should get together and hang out, yeah, we should definitely do that. Okay, I'll give you a call. And you go your separate ways. Yeah. And what happens? Nothing. <laughs> exactly. Not a thing, right? And and so yeah. if you never take that action, if you never do the follow, and there's never any follow through, nothing happens. Yeah. And unfortunately, that's what the former case is, right? Where you when if if you if you're messaging to recruiters, hey, here's my resume, let me know if there are opportunities you're working on where this makes sense. Um and look, I get it. It's really hard to, to do a custom contact to people. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard. It's a, it's a right pain. I get that. But at the same time, there's a reason that people don't just cold call everyone in their network, right? Um, because, you know, they, they, they typically want to have a higher than average odds of, of getting the result they want. So on some level, this is really about optimizing your time usage, you know? Yeah, because I don't mean to, so it sounds like though people hit you up quite often, basically saying, hey, Ed, here's my resume. What's, you know, what do you have for me? Right. As opposed to the, the, the other part, what you mentioned, instead of saying, wait, I, I see this job. I'm, you know, I think I'm great for it. Here's my resume here. Can you take a look? So it's much more targeted. You're really investing your time wisely because you're finding it. Because if you're asking you to do it, they may not think at the time, and they're probably not purposely right. rude, but they're just thinking, oh, okay, as the HR recruiting guy, and he should know all this. Whereas you're thinking, hey, I have what? How many recs at a time? You could have 10, 20, 30 recs at a time. 
I so, think I'm currently working on 27, I think it is. How can Ray? So like you, you, you're juggling so much. <laughs> it's like, it's like you want to tell the person, hey, dude, can you just make my life easier? <laughs> you know, what I mean? uh, I'll just be glad to find the job on our site and then do as much work on your end as possible and then give it to me and then maybe we could do it. Just help me, help me to help you kind of thing, right? Well, yeah, you know, uh, but you're right. I mean, there's, there's a, I don't want to call it ignorance. You know, because that, that has a negative connotation. They're not, they're not thinking. They're just assuming, okay, that's your job. That's what you're supposed right. to do. You know, you know, they don't have a basis for it, but they just presume. And how can you blame? Because they don't really know exactly, exactly what you do. So they're they thinking, oh, that's his job. Hey, I'm interested in your company. You're representing the company. You know, do, do right. my homework for me. <laughs> Go take a look and see which job well, is right. Well, you know, like I said, I, 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 can't, I get this a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, and I'll, I'll admit in, in my... Uh, when I'm not hewing closer to my purpose and, and values, you know, <laughs> yeah. it frustrates me a little, right? Yeah. Um, however, I also remember very keenly that, especially right now, you know, because because the job market isn't great still, you know, I mean, it's we're seeing some signs of life, and I'm happy about that. But they're, they're, it's certainly not like it was in you know 2019. Oh, we're still what about 10 million 10 million jobs down. From exactly. Where last year this time, yeah. Exactly, and you know, however many shops have had to close or riff or yeah. just furlough, I mean, this, it's really really challenging, and there's a lot of anxiety and a lot of concern, and that makes everything even harder. Yes. Right. So I try really hard to remember that you know what shut up dummy you have a job you you like your job you love the people you work with be grateful and appreciate it and be present right it's a good attitude you know that's well, a really good attitude to have you know i, I remember i remember the great recession right <laughs> that was a pretty pretty uh, awful time for for a lot of folks myself included to be frank yeah but if, um, I, you know but i can understand your your conundrum is that you know you're up early in the morning you're working you know, we all have our issues that we're dealing with in a pandemic, you know, sick relatives, you know, they run exactly. the gamut, and you're juggling 27 different jobs. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, you know, you're only human. So after a while, it's like, you know, it's very easy to be, even though you're empathetic and sympathetic to be like, oh my gosh, come on, <laughs> help me. To yeah. help. Like in that vein too, I do you see this too, Ed, where you have people who have, 20, 30, 40 years of experience. Mm -hmm. And maybe they were a manager at different companies and they're a terrific person. Right. But because they have that, they feel that they could be good for any any of the jobs you have. Uh-huh. Try to bully you into like, hey, but I'm good for this, I'm good for this, I'm good for this. And if you kind of give some pushback or advice, then they get mad at you and you're the bad guy. Does that happen? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, of course. I think that happens to every recruiter, to be frank. Um, it's it's sort of like it. I, I think that's just the market being a recruiter, along with your first bail, yeah. right? Or, I, I still remember mine. Oof, never gonna forget that one. Um, you know, I think that it's challenging. You know, understanding how how do I process this stuff? How do I engage in this in a, in a thoughtful way mm -hmm. and i that's that's really it you know it really is i think about being present about being thoughtful about the things that we do about the decisions we make 
right? Um, because so much of so much of where communication goes awry is when we're not fully present. Yeah. You know, when we're not really paying attention. Like any of the any of the really bad interactions I've had with another person since adulthood, anyway. Um, have really been founded on or or exacerbated by my flying off the handle and not being present, you know? Because um, that's when you say the things that you can never take back. Right. You know? Um, it's easy to happen, you know, especially yeah. in a pandemic with all the stress and anxiety and exactly. everybody on edge. It's, you know, it's, 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 it's amazing how it doesn't happen even more than it is already. Yeah, it's, it's really quite extraordinary, you know? Um, like one of the things I'd really like to try to pride myself on is trying to be high touch. Now, I don't always get there, frankly. Um, I don't think that there are a lot of recruiters who can say they all consistently 100% get there, right? But it's always, you know, mathematically speaking, it's an asymptote. We're always trying to get there. We may not necessarily reach it, but it's still a worthwhile goal in its own right, you know? Um, but that's also part of why, you know, my, my work email signature has my mobile number in it so that candidates can get hold of me. Now, every candidate I've, I work with knows full well that, you know, I'm working remote, but my mobile number's in there and they know that it, I'm good for voice and text. So they have the tool to keep me accountable if they want, you know. Um, and sometimes it, it doesn't always happen. There's a lot going on, I get that. If you're a job seeker, you, you, however, how many dozen of jobs did you apply for today, right? Are you going to remember mine? Probably not. And that's fine. I get that. And you know what? If you're, if you're really good talent, you're going to encounter a lot of opportunities. But going back to the heart of what you were saying, right? When you have these, these really experienced senior talent mm -hmm. saying, listen, I've got these, this, these qualifications and, you know, uh, the, I should be able to find a role. Like uh, I, I was hiring for this director position and it was, it was a bear. This was a bear of a, of a wreck to work. Um, the problem is that we were positioning it as a particular kind of director position. So like all manner of people with like five, 10, 15 years of experience as directors at really great brands um, were telling us, hey, I'm, I'm very interested in this role. And I had to tell them, you know, almost all of them, like there, uh, there's a, like an earlier iteration of the gig where we had like a hundred applicants, mm -hmm. and even if you once you factor out the ones who you know were just applying to everything on the website, because you know you always have that, um, even when you factor that out, there were still like fifty percent of the of the talent that that was interested. If it was any other kind of director, oh yeah, I'm talking to these people, mm -hmm. but because of one or two very specific things. They were clearly not the right person, um, and you know, at, at the end of the day, there were out of a hundred, let's call it 150 people who submitted their resumes, there were five, five who legitimately qualified to do the job that was being described, and we said this is what the job is. And a lot of people, I guess, didn't really quite pay enough attention. Um, so you know, it's, it's a very unpleasant conversation to have to have with someone, someone who yeah, had their successes. So what, what, what do you say to someone like that, where let's say um, I send the resume in and I really feel I'm perfect for it for, for a variety of reasons. Do you have kind of a go-to to? So 
Yeah, it's it's not a fun conversation, no, right? It's not. No, it's not. And you know, I mean, we are talking about really highly qualified yeah. people who who have you know stacks and stacks of of star stories, who have their really impressive save the day moment story, right? Yeah. And and those are terrific people. And then I draw their attention to the the two or three things in the rec where I we specifically say, hey, listen, I, we really need someone who does this, you know. Um, and that is from my intake with the hiring manager, the essential thing. Like almost everything else in the, in the JD actually didn't really matter. They needed this, these two or three things. And of course, yeah. um, and that, that's, that, that's, that's so important in this market now, I noticed, right? Where, you know, I think what you're saying is that with a lot of companies in the past, and tell me if you've seen this too, in the past, it was much more of a, open to generalization. You, you know, right. there's a rec with 10 different points. Maybe if you had three, but you're really terrific, mm -hmm. they give you a shot. Now it seems what you're describing, you have this director role and could those people do it? I imagine if you had no choice, if they, uh, a lot of these smart ones maybe can, but your hire manager wants somebody to find someone who really owns all those things and is very specialized and you need to have it. And it's rough. Because I think most people feel like I, I go through this all the time, Ed, where there are people who I know, I feel in my heart, they're smart, they're motivated, they're right. entrepreneur minded, and you, you can give them like nine out of 10 jobs, they can figure it out, sure. but they don't get the chance because they don't have the exact, exact background. And to me, yeah. as a recruiter, it's so frustrating because I kind of know, yeah, you're right, Ed, you can do this job, mm -hmm. but I also know they're not going to give you the shot. And then also I know, and this is kind of one of these quirky things of, let's say a recruiter like myself who works, you know, at, you know, at a search firm is that they're going to say, Hey, Jack, Hey, we're paying you a nice fee for it. I don't care. Get the person we want. And if you can't do it, I'm going to go to somebody else. So there is some, sometimes I, I think I, I'm curious of how you feel about it. Sometimes I think there's a higher barrier when you're dealing with the outside recruiter because you're paying that fee. So you're thinking just like anything in life, if you're paying for it, you want to get, you want to get right. something for value. So they're thinking, no, Jack, too bad. Keep looking, keep trying, right. you know? And the poor candidate is like, but I know I could do it. And I think, and I'm like, I know you could do it. But this, right. is what, and this is, this is, it's, it's, and, and it just gets really frustrating for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, Jack, I, I think this really comes down to uh, an old jingle, <laughs> to, an, to an old commercial, jingle, right? <clears throat> you can have it your way. Yeah. Right? Awesome. <laughs> so, you know, one of the really interesting things that I've, that I think I've witnessed in the last two decades, you know, so certainly well in advance of my becoming a recruiter, um, has been an increasing trend in the in corporate America towards rewarding specialization. Yes, absolutely. Um, and so, as as we see the rise of increasingly specialized skill sets, right? I mean, you know, um, we've spoken before about how there not only are there are there project managers and IT project managers, but there's even project managers who specialize in data center migration, right? <laughs> Which, which to me is a, a bizarre, bizarre thing, but you know, that's where we are. This is the world that we're in. And, you know, as, and of course that's gonna go away once everyone starts to go moving on from on-prem to, to cloud in some fashion, right? I mean, those projects are all, are, are all taking place right now, you know, if they haven't already completed. Do you, do you think because of that as an outgrowth is why we have such long-term unemployment? It's like, I wanna say, four, I could be wrong about the numbers, 
but it's at least 30% of the unemployed, if not like 4 million people are long-term 27 weeks unemployed. Right. And do you think it's part because it is now an era where these companies for the most part want specialized talent. If you don't have it, you're kind of sitting on the sidelines. Do, is that, do you think that's a thing? I absolutely do think that's the thing. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> I think that, you know, each organization has developed what they really want, right? I mean, you know, doing what you do, that when you are working with a new client, that you need to understand what is it they actually are looking for. Yeah. What does this mean? What does this job title mean in your organization, right? Um, I like to joke. I used to have years ago. I used to have the job title of operations manager. It's the single most meaningless job title in the world, because you manage the operations of the organization. Well, how many organizations are identical, mm-hmm. right? I mean size, industry, sure. yeah, yeah. how you do things, right? I mean, it's all different. So, so in similar fashion, you know, um, it, it's, it absolutely is a case of where I think each organization's drive towards specialization has also had the impact of meaning, make, meaning that employees who are successful at becoming part of that solution, fitting into that very specific puzzle spot well, you've built puzzles. Does this puzzle, does this puzzle piece fit anywhere else? No, no, it does not. And I think that is in de- indeed what we're watching, seeing with the, with the 27 plus week uh, LTU, uh, which is a darn shame. What do you think they could do, Ed? Is, is it try to pivot, reinvent themselves, go back to school, uh, go to gig economy? Any, any any thoughts for? So I think there's a couple options, right? Um, number one, um, obviously the gig economy is going to have to be the immediate response, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you have bills coming in, you need something fast. So the gig economy is really going to be the best way to, to get that to happen. Um, you know, so consulting or contracting or you know any of these or freelancing or any of these other various forms of that solution, sure, absolutely. Uh, reskilling where necessary, you know. Um, uh, there are folks who work in, in, in uh, challenging, uh, who work in industries or professions that are, that are seeing considerable upheaval because of this as a technology, right? Um, you know, there are, t- uh, you know, in, in IT, there's tons and tons of people who do manual testing of software. But, they, but the push in, the, in that space for the last five years has been towards automation. If you don't have automation experience, you're left behind. What do you do? You know, it's very, very challenging. Um, so some, some level of reinvention is the, uh, is the only other alternative is the, way, the way I see it, to be frank. Yeah, and it's not easy though, right? Because especially if, and, and to add on to it, I think I don't have the data at hand, but I would guess a lot of the people who are the uh, long-term unemployed are a certain age, let's say 45, 55. And it's harder, you know what I mean? To kind of make a a pivot when you're used to a certain salary, a certain title, a certain Mm -hmm. amount of prestige along with your job to kind of start all over, right? Oh, absolutely true. Absolutely true, Greg, uh, Jack. And you know, the thing is, a career pivot or career reinvention or you know whatever other term uh, people are now using for this phenomenon i mean th- this is stuff that i did to become a recruiter mm-hmm. you know? 
And now I was very fortunate in the fact in that, you know, I was able to do those things. I was able to weather that, that initial difficulty in order to make this transition, but I did. Um, now, but this is not, as you say, uh, a solution that everyone can avail themselves of, right? I mean, your bills don't care. Yeah. You know, that you're finding better per different a new purpose in yeah. this path, right? You can't put that back in the envelope saying hey, I'm pursuing a new purpose, put it exactly. in the bag and say I'm, I'm good, I don't have to pay. Shockingly, shockingly <laughs> yeah, yeah, Experian and Equifax don't seem to be that amenable to that. It's so know? unfair. It's <laughs> so wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not sure what the solution is. Um, other that of beyond what we beyond what we already talked about here, frankly, um, but it is. I think that this is a trend that is only increasing. Mm -hmm. you know? um, as, as you know yourself, as a veteran in the in, in in external recruiting, you know, there's been a mushrooming of contingent recs versus mm -hmm. direct hire recs in the last what 15, 20 years, give or take. When you say contingent, mean what? Like um, not full time. Staff log. Staff log uh, yeah. yeah, project based. Exactly. Well, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. I, Ed, I've seen combination of you know contract roles, short term, mid term kind of contract roles. I've also seen relocating jobs to lower cost areas, both here in the U.S. and to other countries. Yep. Cutting out mid mid management level to mm -hmm. save a whole lot of money. Yep. Um, specialization as we talked about which you know you have to have this certain kind of skill set otherwise thank you but no thank you definitely a lot of trends that really don't help you know the average person it makes it harder i mean some people benefit because if let's say they move a job to you know to florida yeah all right so some of the younger people now you're going to get that job down here but the person is 45 up here in new york is going to lose out. So it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's a weird, scary time, you know, out there for a lot of people. I agree. And, you know, here's the, here's the really funky part, right? I mean, a lot of shops uh, since March last of 2020, they've, they're experiencing what means to have a wholly or largely wholly remote workforce. And, uh, you know, obviously every, not every shop is, has the same experience, but I think that for the most part, you know, some of the shops that perhaps were not open to remote work are discovering, you know what, they're, my fears were unfounded or largely unfounded. For the most part, I think that's been the reaction. Um, so what happens now when companies decide, you know what, let's bone up on labor and payroll laws in all 50, and then let's start hiring people in a lower in a lower cost of living area, right? That's a big trend. Yeah. Yeah. And you know that's going to happen. I'm sure it's begun to happen in some in some places. You know, I mean, if you're if you're a Fang shop with that with that really super expensive real estate where you're currently located, um, I'm pretty sure you can pay a whole lot less for for someone to who is quite probably equally talented or at least very nearly equally talented living in say Wyoming, where I'm pretty sure the cost of living is quite a bit more, more uh, manageable. It's interesting. Yeah. It's, there's, you know, 
I feel you see a lot of ageism out there in the job market. But part of it, I think, is not just because someone's a certain chronological age, but as I think you're kind of alluding to, they're making, uh, let's, let's just, just take, let's say on Wall Street, because that's where I, I close that. So maybe you're making 250,000 plus a bonus and you're in New York, but now maybe you're working at home. Then they start thinking, do I need Jack Kelly or Ed Hahn to pay him two, 250 plus bonus, plus everything else, when I can go <laughs> find somebody, like you said, Wyoming, you know, North Dakota, Florida, Iowa, wherever, where you can probably pay a fraction of it. So it's, it's maybe a little the age, but also it's because of the age you've been working for so long, you've got to that level and you're earning a certain amount of money and, you know, everybody's tightened their belts lately. So it's, it's makes it convenient to say, sorry, Ed, sorry, Jack, you know, we're going to go with somebody else. Right. And I mean, you know, the, the, however shops choose to do that. Right. And there's a, there's any number of, places that are cheaper than, you know, New York or New Jersey, of course, mm -hmm. right? Um, there's a couple that are more so, like, you know, the entirety of Hawaii, San Francisco, the, you know, the Bay Area, of course, you get the idea, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, but yeah, there's absolutely no logical reason, especially when there are good programs at, at schools that are located in some of these less developed areas, less populous areas, right? I mean, or, or for crying out loud, like, Carnegie Mellon, right? One of the greatest CS programs we have in this country. They're out in Pittsburgh. There's not a whole lot going on immediately outside of the city of Pittsburgh, though. So it's probably a lot more affordable. And guess what? There's a there's a, a locus of talent right there, right? And I'm sure there are shops that have that have aligned their physical presence accordingly. You know, other shops are going to probably wind up doing the same. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting how this all plays out. Once yeah. the bus settles, how about, um, and we, I didn't mean to kind of get us in a place where like there's, you know, where people are saying, oh my God, God guys, you're depressing me with this. Right. We, but I think part of it is we got, I think part of what we have to do is just be transparent, you know what I mean? And share what it is, because I don't think we help people if you just say, don't worry, everything's great. <laughs> you yeah. know, everything's fine. Yeah, go get them. I think, it, I think there's merit to just giving, hey, this is, this is what we see. This is what's out there. And it doesn't mean you should give up your search. It doesn't mean you should be disappointed about it. But it's just, okay, now, all right. And I think this also helps when you hear from other folks who go, oh, I thought it was just me that it's happening to. You know what I mean? I thought, oh, man, I thought it was just I have a black cloud over my head. Maybe somebody is, like, sabotaging me. Maybe my, you know, co past coworkers or bosses didn't like me, and now they're putting in bad words. So I think also it might be liberating when they go, oh, all right, this is why maybe it's a challenge because I didn't realize how specific these jobs have become. I didn't realize that they're moving into lower cost cities and states and out of this country. You know, uh, I didn't realize that, you know, maybe I didn't come across the right way when I'm sending out my, you know, when I'm dealing with the, you know, HR, you know, recruiters and so on. So I think there's value too, to like, okay, these are things I got to be aware of and, and now I understand it. Right. But speaking of that on a positive note too, like for, People who are trying to contact you, and sure. maybe, and I'll use you to represent all internal, <laughs> internal corporate recruiters. Oh, this is going to go great. <laughs> what is something to do? What would you, what would you like to see from people? So if they're sending over a resume, they're getting in touch. Like, what's like the coolest, nicest protocol that'll catch your attention and say, "Huh, I like this person." Okay, um, honestly, um, the the best way 
frankly, is mm -hmm. send me send, invite me to connect and send me a note. And send me a note that says something like, Ed, you were talking complete nonsense when you were on LinkedIn Live with Jack Kelly. <laughs> no. Uh, no, seriously, though. Um, send a note. Tell me why. what specifically can I do to help you in your search? What specifically is the assistance that you're looking for from me? as a recruiter, as someone who has presented to job search groups a number of times over the years. Um, what specifically is there that I might be able to do today to help you? You know, give me, come at me with something specific. Come at me with details. Details are why we do, finally do reconnect with that friend we haven't, that we haven't seen when we run to him in the store, right? Have the follow through, right? You know, um, so many times I'll get invitations to connect with no note, so I have no idea why people want to buy. Yeah, what's you know, and it's very confusing when they are are not do not have a skill set that I recruit for, which is something I talk about on my profile. What things I do or do not recruit yeah. for. Um, I talk about the fact that I will recruit for my current employer, which, by the way, is not uh, an external recruiting firm, um, which. You know, just clicking on that little link on my profile would tell you, you know. Um, so give, give me something specific and I can give you something meaningful and, and useful. Because if you want to have a conversation with me, oh, great. I, I'm certainly happy to do so. But I want to make sure it's useful to you. Mm -hmm. That makes so, so much sense. Because this way, at least you know, either A, wow, I could really use your background, your experience, because we do either A, you have a job already, or I know we get these jobs in at my company, so I'll keep my eyes open. Or, sorry, Jack, you know, it's your background is really, it's in a whole different space than what I recruit over here. I'll, you know, if I hear of anything, I'll, I'll let you know. You know what I mean? At least you could give a, a, a good answer to somebody one way or the yeah. other. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, I am really sensitive to the fact that there's obviously a phenomenon of, of recruiters ghosting candidates. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's gotten to the, to the point where now, now talent's ghosting recruiters too. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, this is, this is obviously, neither of these things are a great state of affairs. Um, and, and it's unfortunate. But, you know, could we just have a conversation, folks? Mm -hmm. You know? Is, is that... Are, are things so dire? Are things so heated now that we can't do that? You know? So I take it you get that happens to you internally as an internal recruiter. You still get ghosted. And oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's not just recruiters like me on the outside that kick. See, this is what I mean by like you like to hear this so you can put things in perspective. So you go, oh, okay. It's not just me. You know, yeah. It's everybody. Oh, Come on. Getting ghosted by talent, I mean, especially for talent that I specifically hunted down and said, oh, you are like yeah. me person, yeah. you know, so I, and I've crafted my, my custom tailored yeah. packaging so that actually speaks, shows, yeah. my, heck, my email template says, blow their minds. Hey, I really did read your profile. That's what the subject says. Yeah. It, it used to be, Ed, I would get this. Let's go back a few years. I get the call like Sunday, like, I don't know, Sunday morning at, at four in the morning. Oh, hey, Jack, I'm sorry I didn't catch you. Uh, but yeah, I got a counter off. I'm going to stay where I am. So oh. it's like, oh, all right. 
but at least then it wasn't a ghost. They would say, you know, I don't want to hear that message. It ruined my the rest of my weekend. And but at least they kind of gave a notice, or they'll send an email, you know, at seven at night. Uh, oh, I guess you're not in the office now, but uh, yeah, I'm, I decide I'm not going to take the offer. Now it's so that what it used to happen. Now it's you just nothing, right? Just disappeared, yeah. ghosted. Well, no, no lie. My last bail, right? Mm-hmm. When I was uh, before my last gig in in agency, I had a bail the night before, <laughs> the night before his start date, right? It was insane. It was absolutely insane. Uh, me and my recruiting manager were trying to talk this guy down off the ledge. It was like five thirty six p.m. the night before. And we we just were not successful, yeah, and that's, and that's, that was a rotten rotten night. <laughs> it's you know you know how many times I've heard this. Hey, sorry, Jack, but I have to do what's right for myself and my family, and sure. blah 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 blah. I'm like, and, but the, I get it because yeah, if you got a better offer, something like that, yeah. But it's it stinks here. But then you heard. But that back then you would hear those things. They would they would tell you. What? They, would, they would say it, and it'd be really awkward, uncomfortable conversations on both sides. And then as a recruiter, I tried to you know sell them to kind of keep going forward with it, and they're trying to sell me on like, nope, I don't want to do it anymore. But at least you had that. At least you had a, a respectful back and forth conversation, and that would you know. Now yeah, like nothing. See, it, what's nothing. funny is that I I don't know. Um, maybe I make this harder than I have to, but if a candidate backs off and it's, and it's about to come, I just let it go. Like, okay, so how, what's the Delta? What does it take? Right now you want to renegotiate. Okay, fine. I don't, I'm not jazzed on it, but what are we really talking about here? You know, if it's a relatively minor amount, if it's a matter, if it's an amount, I think I can get, you know, sign off on. I will actually take it back to the hiring manager. Say, listen, have a change of heart. And of course, there's always the inevitable sigh from the hiring manager, yeah. right? Yeah. But listen, if, if I think that the talent is right, and I think that this is a, look, no one, no one takes a job to get paid less than they could. Mm-hmm. No one does that, you know? Okay, that's why I, I had that happen once, once mm-hmm. in, all, in the eight years I've been doing this thing. Um, and that was a very unique case, you know. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to numbers. Everyone can rationalize a number. They cannot, however, offset. Well, you know, I, I, it's very easy for them to offset, rather. Oh, I have a great boss, or I have a great environment and team, but I'll get paid more. Yeah. Hey, you know? guys, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this question, but... And it sure. doesn't have to be your company, right? Just generally. Sure. Inside baseball kind of stuff here. Okay. The companies, when they put out offers, generally, let's say, let's say they have a budget for 100. They come out with 90, thinking, mm-hmm. okay, let's see if they buy it at the 90. If it's 90, great. But if not, we have some extra room. Is that kind of, do you see that happens inside? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. I, I do see that happen. I'll, I'll be honest. When I engage a candidate and uh, present to my hiring manager, I have already talked numbers with them. Yeah. You know, I'll get them where I think I can, right? Because I know what my range is and I know what, what the hiring manager's tendencies will be by that point. But generally speaking, if they want to come back and renegotiate, I don't like it. Yeah. 
I'll do it if the manager is interested in the candidate. If they're not, obviously, that's the end of the conversation, unfortunately. Yeah. Do you ever get these where they come back and back and back? Oh, and, yeah. the manager, and the manager, people really like the person, so they keep, they don't want to give it up. But it's, yeah. but it's like, oh, this like little, you know, it's like, just one more, we get just one more, and then you do it goes, okay, one more, <laughs> one, more yeah. one more, and you're like, oh my God, you know? I, I've had someone do that twice. Mm -hmm. the set, but the second time it happened, the hiring manager was like, no, done. Yeah, yeah. Don't care. Yeah. And do you, do you, did you ever work in a place? Because I'll get these where they'll say, right, Jack, here's what we do. It's like, I think what was the car company was Saturn when they did no negotiations. That was okay. their thing. That was your shtick. So like you didn't have to haggle. We'll say, when we give an offer, that's it. And they meant it. You know what I mean? They'll give, if it's a hundred, it's a hundred. And they'll be clear. This is what we're paying for it. That's what it is. No haggling, no negotiate, boom. Which sometimes is much easier because this is what it is. There's no like, hmm, you know, Jack, come on. Are you sure you can't get 110, 20? And I'm like, yeah, I'll ask, but they, they're going to just yell at me because they tell me this is it. And that's their philosophy. That's what they do. And that's what they've yeah. done for the last 10 years. But otherwise, it's always because candidates always are wondering, God, damn, did I did I just leave five grand on the table? Did I just leave 10,000 so, on the table? You know, so they always feel like, oh, I'll, I'll tell you what, when when I'm sending offers, right, mm -hmm. I'll tell them, listen, this is the number. This is, and I'll, I'll uh, and if I had to fight a little bit, I'll tell them. Listen, mm -hmm. I had to fight to get you this. Mm -hmm. If I didn't have to, I can. I of course will admit that statement, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but I, I try to practice greater transparency when I have these conversations with folks, because what I really don't want is I've had to have that fight with my hiring manager, and then the candidate asks me to go and have another fight, mm -hmm. you know. Because then I, I'll, say, I'll tell them, listen, getting this was not easy. Um, do you really want me to do this? You know? Um, and if, if I know that there is room, I'm, I'm certainly happy to, for them to say yes, right? Um, or I will present, or if they make the mistake of asking for not enough money, I might bump them a little bit, you know, because what's going to happen if I don't do that? Six months down the road, that person's going to get hit up by by someone else, and you're going to lose the person, and and yeah, you're going to lose the person to a competitor. And then I just got a backfill again. Yeah, right. Yeah. Who needs that? I mean, that's that's not fair to the talent, and that's not fair to this manager, and. It's not fair to me either, frankly. You, you, do you find this out too? Because I notice sometimes, and I, I try to be careful about this as well. So let's say someone is negotiating, and we just to make the numbers, e you know, easy. It's a hundred thousand dollars, and sure. they're pushing for, you know, pushing, push, and, and that's like let's say even more than the limit, and, and they knew right away, and they're getting more than than they're, they're going to go to, and they keep pushing. So, and sometimes I'll say to them, you know. You got to weigh it because then if you like in a place like we just mentioned, or, you know, New York, New Jersey, San Francisco, LA, that's high tax after tax dollars are, what are you getting? And is it worth it? Because I've actually had hiring managers say to me, Jack, I'll, I'll pay Ed that 110, but I got to tell you, I'm going to expect a whole lot from him. Then the person goes into the relationship yeah. with now even a higher hurdle they have to go over 
because it just sticks in the craw of the higher management a little bit. And I'm not saying it's right, wrong. It's just it's human nature. This happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then so you got to weigh sometimes how much do I push? Because there's, you know, there's this like, you always hear, just ask for it because you're going to lowball you, push, push, push. But sometimes you do it and either they just don't like, you know what? No one likes to be pushed around. So sometimes like, forget it. Or, all right, Ed, I'll give you that. But now I'm thinking, all right, you're now, now like you're going to have to do a whole lot. And then you put yourself in a position that it's going to be really uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know, I'll be honest, I, I haven't had that happen to me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll, I, I will. I will take that conversation out of the transactional mo model. Yeah. And say, if you want to keep doing this, you can keep, I can't stop you, mm -hmm. but you have, you have reached the point of diminishing returns. Because you're souring internally. You're like, because there's the, you start getting the eye rolls. All right. What does Jack want now? What else is he asking you for? Yeah. You know, no green M&Ms in the bowl. All right. Yeah. So, you know, I, 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 I think it's worthwhile. I mean, look, the, the one thing I hate more than anything else is having my time wasted, mm -hmm. right? It, it drives me berserk. Like if it's part as a product of being a driver in New Jersey, right? <laughs> um, like what, why can't people waiting at the traffic like load balance? Why, why is, why are there like five cars in the one lane and just one car in the other lane? Why, why is that? I don't get it. it confuses me. Um, if, if someone is going to play that game, when, I, when it starts happening, I tell them, listen, you have hit the point of diminishing returns. If you really want to push this, we can do that. But I'm telling you now, you may not, this might be a case of winning the battle and losing the war. Yes. Yeah. And again, these are things people should know about, you know, because then they can make a value decision because they can listen to this and say, hey, guys, I get it. I hear what you're saying, but I want X. I'm going to push for it. Fine. But at least they know this uh -huh. is the game. You know, we're, we're giving this inside scoop of here's how the game is played. And then they can make their own decisions. Is it going to be worth it for me to push it? But knowing, oh, so this is how people feel when it goes back and forth, that it could rub in the wrong way, but maybe they can give. Maybe they can give a little bit, like like you mentioned. Maybe they didn't ask for enough. You could goose it up a little bit because you want to. You like the person. You want to keep the person. And you know, if you don't, they can get a better offer somewhere else and leave. So this is this is what I like doing because we've really given you have given like a lot of inside scoop about what goes on, which I think is so helpful because people like it's like a big mystery for a lot of job seekers. It's like the Wizard of Oz. What's behind the curtain? Like what's really going on? And I think. And, and believe it or not, we've been talking for an hour, it just flew by. Like, you know, the, so at least we gave a glimpse of like, all right, here are the things you should know about. And a lot of times it's not right, wrong, or different. It just is what it is. It's like, it's like any game. You know, here are the rules. They may be fair, they may not be fair, but this is it. And, 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 and then once you know it, then you kind of like, okay, I get it. I get it. Now I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm armed with more information. Exactly. A better consumer as I'm looking for a job. Can I ask you just one last question, though? Of course. Because I can't, it's like, I'm looking, it's like over an hour. It just went so quickly. Um, there's so much talk lately because mm -hmm. there's so much unemployment that if you just keep sending applications and resumes, you know, it's hard to get through that you mm -hmm. should find somebody who works at the company mm -hmm. to kind of champion your cause, yep. which makes perfect sense. But for an internal recruiter, HR, does that kind of become irksome because like you feel people going around your back? You know, ultimately, the job of 
the job of all recruiters mm -hmm. is to insulate the decision maker from the talent. That is part of our function. Right. We all you're the know. wall, right? You're like you're, you're the wall. We're the firewall, yeah. right? But the fact of the matter is, you and I both know that it doesn't take us very long to look at the resume real quick and make a yes/no decision. Mm -hmm. right? We've been doing this for a certain amount of time. Yeah. You can do it much faster than I can. But um, if someone is a non-traditional candidate for the position, they're probably better served by circumventing me. Mm -hmm. or you, mm -hmm. yeah. um, there was, I've had several people who came in. I, I would never really have looked twice at the, at the resume once I finally saw it and said, yeah, okay. Yeah. This person makes sense. Um, but they, they were selected. They moved through the process very effectively and they are performing at a high level. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, you know, you and I are trained to read resumes and we're trained to evaluate people, but usually within the context of that resume or sometimes a LinkedIn profile, mm -hmm. right? Um, and sometimes when we do that, we don't always have the fullest information to make that evaluation, you know? Um, so quite honestly, if someone really wants to, to get somewhere, they are probably better served by moving moving beyond, moving, circumventing me. Are they taking a risk though that they could yes. invoke? Yeah. So it's it's just, once again, like we talked about before, this is the game. So you could try to go around and maybe the hire manager looks and goes, oh my gosh, yeah, and find something mm -hmm. that feels, okay, even though traditionally you don't meet all the metrics, I got a feeling, let's bring them in. Mm -hmm. But you also have it where if that happens often, personally like Ed could feel like, keep going around my back right you know this is not cool yeah yeah and that and so you know I, I should point out that the individual job seeker um and especially if he or she uh has a concern like maybe they're a career reinventor mm -hmm. right i mean you and i both know recruiters are not going to look very carefully at career reinventors for the majority of recs you know unless it's unless the way it's written Yes, of course, a career reinventor makes sense for this, right? Yeah. Um, we're not going to, because what, what do we always reward? We reward the last job or three that you did. Yes. Right? Yeah. Um, so it, it will make sense sometimes. But yes. again, this is a high risk, high reward sort of maneuver, as you alluded to. Yeah. That's great. You gave, wow. Like, you offered such insights, great advice. And has there been anything I didn't ask or? that you Gosh. like to share that? I, we covered a lot of ground. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm really trying to, to think of anything and I'm not coming up with it. Okay, uh, that's cool. Hey, I really appreciate it. Ed, seriously, this is like the hour flew by. That's amazing. Really did. And you know, thank you very much because I know it's not easy for people watching now and watching you know, later on. It's not easy for someone who works for a company to talk as freely as Ed did. You know, for me, it's a little easier because like, you know, I, I, I run my own company, so right. I can't fire myself. I guess I could, but that's weird. So <laughs> I have a little bit more luxury, but also I got to be careful too, because, you know, I don't want to alienate jobs because I don't want to alienate companies where they like, Jack, you're a big jerk and I lose business. So I, I got to temper it too. And so does Ed, but Ed has been really a, a very thoughtful, very fair, very open, uh, very giving about like what really goes on behind the scenes. And I think for people who are watching it, 
really heed his advice because this is what you're going through. And I, and I think by watching it, and you might want to watch it a few times over and hear what he has to say again, because it's like, this is the real deal. This is what goes on behind the scenes. So it really illuminates, hey, this is why I'm running into this roadblock. This is why it's not working, or maybe this way it can work. So I really appreciate Ed, everything you've given, everything you've offered. I think it's going to be really so super helpful for people. I think it's going to open up their eyes to a lot of things. And then once I think, once their eyes are open up, then they realize, oh my gosh, then there's whole probably other stuff too that I really didn't know. I got to kind of start looking at. And when they do that, that's just going to make them better at their job search, right? It's just going to make them, you know, because now they have so much more information, so much more knowledge, so much more insight. It's going to make them more productive. So, so, so I thank you very much. I really agree. I think it was great. Really so much great information. It's like, you know, some people might feel it might be a little too inside baseball, but you know what? This is what you need when you're looking to know this is the real deal. This is what's going on. So, so I hope, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope uh, you learned something and it helps you in your search. And now Ed, for people who want to get in touch with you, sure. but have the background, have the experience, <laughs> would you, would you like us to share when we edit it to put up on there, where to get a hold of you or how to, yeah, yeah. Okay. Is it through LinkedIn is the best way? Yeah, LinkedIn is going to be the best way, okay. uh, quite honestly. Um, on, honestly, the, the best way really is, is I post something at least once a day. Comment on it. Okay. That's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. So so that, that's another great thing about you, just being open and engaging with people. So I appreciate that. That's awesome. So thank you so much, Ed. Thank I you, Jeff. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the WeCruiter podcast. If you want to check out other great content from WeCruiter, make sure to visit us at WeCruiter.io. That's W-E-C-R-U-I-C-R dot I-O. We offer tons of great resources for job seekers and professionals, so make sure to check us out today.